This evening we are going to continue our study in the book of Exodus. We're going to turn our attention to the 13th chapter. And hence I'd ask you if you have a Bible, could you please open it to Exodus chapter 13. And our text is going to be from verse 17 down to verse 22. Now I'm sure some of you here, being super observant, have realised that I have skipped over a few verses from Exodus chapter 12 and um, Exodus chapter 13 from where we left uh, last week. And I've decided to do that because I want to continue uh, the flow of the narrative. So last week we considered the departure from Egypt and I wanted to keep the continuity of the narrative intact rather than spend another two, three or four sermons considering uh, the ins and outs of the Passover. So by way of reading, let's I read from verse 17 of Exodus chapter 13. Now hear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth, and had camped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud, to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Amen. And the title for the sermon this evening is God's Way is Better Than My Way. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to your word this evening, we do thank you that we... You have spoken. What what a wonderful uh, thing that is. Father, thank you that we can be certain uh, that what we have before us is is from you. Uh, It is your word. Uh, Father, every word in this book is is inspired, and we do thank you and praise you for that. Father, please uh, be with me tonight as your servant as I open up the scriptures. Father, help me to speak uh, the truth and nothing but the truth. And, And Lord, I You know the needs of our hearts, and Father, I do pray that you would meet them tonight, that, Father, we would have uh, soft hearts, that our hearts would be uh, the good ground uh, that Jesus speaks of within his parable. Please do your good work in our lives this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the things that I have learnt as I have got older and have matured is that my parents could see more and knew more than I did. Now, they had a plan and they knew what they were doing. They had my best interests at heart and their way was always better uh, than my way. As a child and even as a teenager, in ignorance and arrogance, how easy it is to think, why won't mum and dad let me do that? Why won't they let me go here or there? Why do they insist that I have to do this or do that? Now, in my situation, you know, why is there a curfew? Why can't I go and watch that show on TV? Everyone else does. Why can't I go to that friend's house? 
Why can't I ride my bike there? It only requires to cross the main highway in Australia, the other two busiest roads in Grafton. What else could possibly go wrong? And Mum, why do I have to go to bed so early? Do I really need to go to school? Surely it's not that important. I realise that one is very important. Why do, I, why do I have to do homework? I'm at school all day. What's wrong with being friends with that person? Why can't I go to that party? And so on. There were many things as a child that I did not understand, but my parents did. They could see more than I could see, and they knew more than I knew. And now I'm forever grateful that they did, the, did things their way and not my way, for I think I turned out okay, but you can be the judge of that. Now, if it's true for, for our earthly parents that they see more and they know more than their children, so all of the parents, you can say amen to that, you're allowed to. Now, if this is true for earthly parents, how much more then is it true for our Heavenly Father? He sees more than we see, and He knows more than we know. And this is illustrated so wonderfully in the text before us. God's people had finally been set free. The shackles of slavery had been broken. The stranglehold that Egypt had on the Israelites, like, like the python on its prey, had been released. It was over. The people had been delivered. And yet God didn't just save his people and then leave them to fend for themselves, to do as they pleased, but rather he had a purpose, he had a plan. And he immediately went about executing this by leading and guiding his people. Now this is the key theme of the text, verse 17, God led them. Verse 18, God led the people. Verse 21, to lead them the way. God is actively involved in leading and guiding his people. And it is this theme of divine direction that we're going to consider in our time together this evening. There's something that one will quickly learn in the Christian life is that God often does things differently to what we anticipate. His ways, plans and thoughts are often far different to our very own. In fact, they are often polar opposites, aren't they? We think going left is the smart decision, but God takes us right. We think moving quickly is what is required, but God slows us down. We think this is the job that God wants us to do, but He has different ideas. Often God's plans and ours are very different. And this was a lesson learnt immediately as God's people departed from Egypt. Everyone knew the way out of Egypt. There was the main highway, the main trade route that linked Egypt back into Canaan and beyond. This road was the Via Meres, known as the Way of the Sea. This was a coastal road that followed the Mediterranean shore and it went straight into the land of Canaan. This was the shortest, easiest and the most common way to go. In fact, it would have taken two weeks to get into the land if this particular route was taken. 
And that's interesting considering how long did it take the Israelites? 40 years. So quite the difference. Now the Via Meres look like the common sense option. Now this would be the expected direction that all the people intended to take. Now this road was not far from where they were located. They were in the land of Goshen, which is in Upper Egypt, right near the road. Now the GPS was set for Canaan via the Via Meres, and yet the Lord leads them in the opposite direction. Well, it's not that they take some back road shortcut that would have less traffic than the main road. And we all have those supposed shortcuts, don't we, where we generally get lost. No, but it wasn't that, that God had a way that was quicker or simpler than the Via Meres, but rather God took them in the opposite direction. They head south, away from the land of Canaan. And we're told in verse 18 that they set up camp in the edge of the wilderness. Now, this wilderness is the desert country between Egypt and the Red Sea. It's not the wilderness land in Sinai where they would later spend 40 years, what we know as the wilderness wanderings. But nevertheless, this would not have been the location that the people would have been expecting. Now, the GPS would have been going off, you know, turn around or you turn. Now, I wonder if any of the people ask questions about the direction that they were taking. Can you hear that the whispers between the people? You know, why, why are we going this way? Is, is the divine compass broken? We're going in the wrong direction. We should be taking the Via Maris. Uh, it would be like us. You know, God has told us to go to, to Byron Bay. Now, everyone knows to get to Byron, you go via Bangalore Road. And yet the Lord has led us to take the Bruxner Highway. As we go past the Lismore Airport, surely we're thinking to ourselves, what is God doing? This makes no sense. Now, I wonder what Pharaoh and the Egyptians thought as they watched their former captives depart from the land. Surely there must have been some confused and perplexed looks. What in the world were these people doing? Where were they going? Who would depart into the wilderness country with such a multitude? Perhaps as Pharaoh saw the direction they were taking, it was then that the seeds were planted for his wicked plan to renege on his agreements and chase down his labor force. Now, God's direction did not seem to make much sense. They seemed to be going the wrong way. But the Lord could see some things ahead that his people could not. And he knew some things that his people did not know. Notice the reasoning for not taking the shortest, easiest and simplest way. This is seen in verse 17. If this particular route was taken, it would have involved war. For the people would have to navigate their way through the land of the Philistines. And God determines that his people are not yet prepared for battle. For them to go from brick maker to warrior in a matter of weeks would be quite the task. They were in no shape to fight. And God knew that they were not ready for this sort of confrontation. And hence made sure that this path that would have led to great threats and intimidating obstacles was avoided. For the Lord knew something that his people did not. That if they were faced with war too soon, they would immediately desire to return 
to Egypt. Remember, they were accustomed to Egypt. This had been their home for such a long time. And we know that this concern from the Lord, that His people would want to return to Egypt as soon as things got difficult, that this was not ill-founded. This is not far-fetched. Because as soon as things got difficult in the wilderness, do you remember what happens? Let's go back to Egypt. So God could see some things that the Israelites could not, and He knew things that they didn't. And hence He led them in a surprising direction. But it was the right direction because it was God's direction. So in seeing that God led His people, the question must be asked, how did He do it? How did He lead and guide His people? In verse 21, we are told that a pillar or a column of cloud or fire directed and protected the people. So we need to understand a couple of things. You know, firstly, there was only one cloud, not two. So at dusk and dawn, there wasn't a shift change, but rather it was simply the one cloud. And the fire burns inside continuously, but it's only visible at night time. And secondly, this cloud was not just an ordinary cloud, but it was actually the Lord Himself. This was not just a, a symbol or a sign, but it signified the very presence of the Lord. Now in theology, this is called a theophany, a visible manifestation of God that is tangible to the human senses. Notice in verse 21, it says, And the Lord went before them. Now, the text is very clear. This is the Lord. The cloud was a visible sign of God's very presence with His people. This is miraculous. It's the Lord Himself guiding His people. Now what is particularly interesting is that this was similar to a common practice of the time. Now, due to the intense heat much travel would be done during the cooler night hours. And hence, travellers would have small iron vessels or grates with wood fires burning in them. Now, this grate would be fastened to a long pole, which would be carried in the air at the front of the travellers, and this would show them where to go. And also, this was a military practice. The direction to be followed was indicated in the daytime by the smoke from the fire, and at night time by the light. So this concept of this common practice was adopted by the Lord. He was present, and He would lead His people. And hence, when the cloud moved, the people moved. When the cloud stopped, the people would stop. When the cloud went west, the people went west. When the cloud went towards the wilderness rather than the Via Mares, so did the people. Both day and night, the Lord guided Israel. So what does this narrative of the Lord leading His people out of Egypt have to teach you and me? I'd like to bring four things to your attention. So firstly, God leads His people. Now this is the clear and obvious lesson to come from this text. God led His people out of Egypt, 
And my friend, just as God led his people then, he still does it now. Sure, he no longer uses a pillar of cloud and fire. There's probably times when we think we would really like that. You know, a cloud to determine the will of God for us, or for the cloud to hover over the house that we should buy, or the cloud to lead us to the career path that God wants us to take. But as I pondered this, I don't think we would like this as much as we think we would. For, for what happens when the cloud takes us down the path that we don't want to go down? You know, I can picture us standing here whistling, you know, come back cloud, I don't want to go that way. Or, or what about when the cloud stops for a very, very long time? We would get impatience. Or, or the cloud hovers over the one who the Lord wants you to marry and you think, no way, not, not that person. You know, or hovers over the place of employment that God wants and it's not the one that we want. So this cloud probably wouldn't be as desirable as we first think. But just because we don't have a cloud doesn't mean that God does not lead his people. For just as God didn't save Israel out of Egypt and then leave them to their own devices, so too he doesn't do that for us. He has a plan for you and for me just as he did for his people in ancient Egypt And he leads, directs, and guides us today, just as he did back then. And this is done in two primary ways. Firstly, through the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The Bible is our cloud, it is our map, it is the instruction manual for life. And our God leads, guides, and directs us through His Word. It's the compass that shows the direction. It is the fire that lights up the darkness to show the path. And hence, in order to be led and guided by the Lord, we need to be in the Word. And secondly, God also leads through the Holy Spirit. God has given us all the divine guidance that we need, and it's far better than a cloud. No, he has given us His Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, dwells within. No, we have His glorious presence not only with us, but in us. No, it is as if the pillar of cloud and fire have come right inside. And Jesus told us that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. No, the Spirit is our guide, our compass. Now, my friend, God still leads, guides, and directs us as his people. He's actively involved in our lives. He has a plan and he has a direction that he wants you and I to take. We don't have to fumble our way through the wilderness of life, but rather follow and submit to the guidance that he gives in his word by his spirit. Secondly, God's ways and plans are often very different to ours. Leaving Egypt via the Viramares made sense. Heading south into the wilderness made no sense at all, and yet that was the way that God led. It would have been easy for the Israelites to think that the Viramares was the way to go. It, It was a good road. It was an easy road. It was the shortest distance. It was the trade route so food and water could be easily purchased. It was the convenient way, but it wasn't the right way for it was not God's way. 
And beloved, this reminds us of an important truth that God's plans, thoughts and ways are often very different to ours. God could have taken his people the easy way. He could have wiped out the forces, the enemies, just as he had destroyed Egypt with the ten plagues. He could have done that. And yet he chose not to. Why, we don't know. But he chose a different path for his people. And likewise, there are going to be times in your life when you have no idea why the Lord is doing what he is doing. It simply makes no sense why he allows some things, why he does not allow other things. Or why does he take you down this path in this particular direction? Or why does he give you this? Or why does he take that? There will be times when the road seems long and windy or or the tunnel seems very dark. But we can rest assured that God in his providence plans for the best way for his people to take. We may not always understand the way he chooses or why he does it. And and that's okay. We don't have to know everything. We must understand that his way is always the right way and the best way. Remembering that he works all things together for good to them who love the Lord. All of this for his glory. Now we can rest assured that God never moves without purpose or plan. Now, his plans are often so different to ours, but we must remember the words of the prophet Isaiah. who said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, God's way is often so different to our way. His plan is so much different to the plans that we had, but his way is always the best way. Thirdly, God often spares us from much suffering in his leading. In not allowing his people to walk straight into a military fight that he knew they were not yet prepared for, we see the mercy, compassion and loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. He spared them from an horrific experience. He would not allow them to experience something that they could not handle. And hence he led them down a different path to spare them much heartache and trouble. And I do wonder how often the Lord leads you and me in a particular direction, takes us down a certain path, allows or doesn't allow things to happen in order to spare us from some greater pain or suffering. Remember, God sees things that we don't and knows things that we don't know. We do know that he's caring, kind and compassionate. And hence he led his people a particular way in order to prevent something terrible happening. And I wonder how often he does the same thing in your life. Things may not work out as we thought. And yet if we could see the whole picture... The whole play, rather than just the scene that we are now in, we would see what God in His mercy and grace has spared us from enduring by directing us left rather than right. Now, I wonder how often the Lord holds us up to protect us, makes us five minutes later to avoid that accident. How often He allows a little heartache in order to prevent a big heartache. A short-term pain to avoid long-term. 
Now what is clear from the text is God's way prevented much suffering, pain and heartache. And I wonder how often when he leads us in a certain direction, when he allows or doesn't allow certain things, even when it makes no sense to us, that it's a gracious and merciful act of a loving Heavenly Father sparing his children of greater pain, suffering and heartache. Now, beloved, remember this as God's plans unfold in your life. And fourthly, God is often in no hurry in bringing his plans to pass. As I mentioned before, if the people took the Via Meres, they would be in Canaan in two weeks. And yet it took them 40 years. Now I realize that this length of time was self-inflicted. But it also reveals that God in his dealings with us, in his leading, directing and guiding is often in no hurry. We all struggle to be patient, don't we? You know, to wait for the Lord's timing. And we need to understand that it's not only doing what the Lord wants that is important, but also doing it in His time, and often that is very difficult. Now, we can know what God's will is, we've ascertained that much, but then waiting for the timing to be correct can be awfully challenging. We know that God wants us in a certain occupation or a particular ministry, and yet the opportunities just don't seem to present themselves. We can be trying to sell something or buy something or organize the next stage of our lives, and we just seem to keep getting held up. Things aren't happening as quickly as we would like or envision. It is at times like this we need to be patient, to wait On the Lord, trust the Lord, remembering that His timing will always be right, even if it's completely different to what we have worked out. It's always worth waiting for God's timing. For there is always a reason for the delay, and we must trust that our God knows best. And not rush ahead and do things in our timing, for that is when giant messes of lives are made. As the psalmist said, be still and wait on the Lord. Beloved, our our God is involved in our lives. He is is personal. He he is active. And that's a wonderful and glorious thing. He has a plan. He has a will for your life. And his plan is, is the best plan. Better than any other plan. And remember, no matter what unfolds, God sees things that you don't see. And He knows things that you don't know. Trust Him. Follow Him. Allow Him to direct and guide your life. For the life submitted to Jesus Christ and following Him wholeheartedly is the best life to live. Amen.